0: right down that rabbit hole so reality is questionable try but you just can't let it go these two right here put on the show it's paranormal overload with southern hospitality hard that murder may have while discussing immortality locations with a dark past history that comes to life hillbillies with a knack for happy thing that goes bump at night Overthinking thinking if you're by yourself these two will have you turn on the lights mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Story. Now here's your hosts, Jerry and Tracy
1: Paul, and their dog, Ninja. And sometimes their cat, Freddy. But never the ferrets.
0: What's good, what's good, what's good? This your boy Marcus Harvey from Ghost Brothers. What's happening, man? This your boy Daylon Spratt from Ghost Brothers. And this is Jawan Mass from the Ghost Brothers. We like to give a big shout out to the Hillbilly Horror Stories.
1: Hillbilly Horror Stories. Well, your stories is from a hillbilly and it's kind of horary because it's Hillbilly
0: Horror Stories. That was terrible, Daylon. Yeah. But I, I tried. Tune into the podcast. We up in here. <laughs> Ghost Brothers.
1: Hey guys, welcome to episode 334 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry.
0: And I'm Tracy. Happy holidays to everybody.
1: Yes, even though we're a week away.
0: Yeah, dang it, I don't know. It's already here and I can't <laughs> even get over it. I mean, I seriously cannot believe it.
1: And while I'm sure other shows will be taking Christmas Day off, we will not be. We won't? No, we will be recording on Christmas Day.
0: I'll be dang. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, we love it.
1: Obviously, we want to start off thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent, as long as you're part of our allied forces. Thank you for everything that you do every day.
0: Yes, God bless you guys so much. I wish y'all could be here with your families. I'm sure they're missing the heck out of you, but we just want to say thank you for watching over us and having our backs. You guys are true angels, and we will never forget that. Pray for you guys every day.
1: I love that you say that every single week, like most of the civil servants and stuff aren't home with their families. I know. It's a small percentage that are actually away from the family. Well, families, I know, but, but it's still too many as far as I'm I concerned. Know. It just sounds funny because it's like you, you're acting like all of them are never with their family. Yeah, true. <laughs> and obviously the uh, lead into that is, is the um, the fact that so many people struggle around the holidays. We Our calls that we've had coming to us have definitely seen an uptick as well as uh people having some issues that they want to talk about in the group that's been more and more as you can see so it's not a myth that it really does uh mentally take a toll on people around the holidays
0: it does but just remember we're here for you guys no matter what's happening You can call us. You can go to the group, which we adore because you guys are the true blessings to me and Jerry. And we can't thank you guys enough for reaching out to people and helping them when they need to, you know, talk to somebody. And you guys are always there just like that. So we can never thank you guys enough for that. If you don't want to do that, you can call 988. Um, And then you can also text at 741741. And there will be somebody there to help you guys as well. Just remember we're here. We love you and we want you all to know that we think about you guys and you are loved. Just don't ever forget that.
1: And also I want to say that we we had a situation in the group this week where somebody posted something that um, really seemed last ditch effort and talked about uh, the possibility of just ending their life. And you guys just jumped all over it. We're trying everything you possibly could to get a hold of this person and we actually um one one of the members of our group actually did reach out and find a family member and that family member made contact and then we were able to uh talk to the person the next day and but I just want to say if you guys don't think you make a difference I'm here to tell you what a huge difference you make to people
0: now uh, you sure do and I can't thank you guys enough and I'm sure that person can thank you enough for as well.
1: And on a positive side, there was somebody else that was in the exact same situation about six weeks ago. They did not see uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, you know, you guys have talked to them. I've talked to this person. And now the other day they sent a message that they just they they left the, the negative situation they were in and they have gotten a house and are very excited about where the prospects of the future lies which you could have never seen six weeks ago mm-hmm. Isn't that and great? you know when you can see that you just know that you know you might not be able to make a difference to everybody you talk to immediately sometimes it takes time but if if you can just tell people to hold on and give it time one day at a time they may be surprised at, at, at how quickly things can turn around.
0: And that's honestly the best Christmas gift you guys can give anybody. is just to open up your hearts, listen, you know, talk with somebody. I mean, that's just the best thing you can ever do. And thank you guys so much for doing that.
1: Yeah, the gift of hope is everything.
0: It sure is. You guys are awesome.
1: All right, Tracy. Tonight's story is one of the more unique stories that we've actually covered here. Okay. And I will say we don't have an interview tonight. So oh, we don't have an interview. The the story is the story. Okay. Now everybody's so busy with Christmas right now. It's hard to it's hard to get people set up on the phone. Either we're we're tied up or they're tied up. Yeah. So we'll be able to. But we've got some really good ones coming right after the start of the new year. Oh, nice. So tonight's story is more about a specific person than a haunting or location, but there's definitely a paranormal. Uh, attachment to the story so i think you're going to enjoy it so first of all we all know the character shrek uh-huh did you know that the character of shrek at least the looks wise was based off of a real person
0: i did not know this
1: so think about how shrek looks uh-huh. and you would probably say well there's no person that actually looks like that
0: you're not gonna tell me this person's green though right? this person's not green okay cool
1: but i think what happened was where that comes from is there were actually some busts made of his face mm-hmm. and it, well his whole head actually and if you look up pictures of this bust they kind of have a greenish tint to them oh no kidding and i'm gonna assume that that's where the green maybe that's came where from. it came from because if you look at these busts there's definitely a green tint to them oh dude, and that's it looks cool. amazingly like shrek
0: Oh, my gosh. That's so bizarre, but very cool at the same time.
1: It is. All right, so we're going to talk about French wrestler Maurice Tillot. Now, Maurice Tillett was born October twenty third, 1903. He was born in Russia, but two French parents. Okay. So they were from France. They mm-hmm. lived there. So even though he was born in Russia, he was considered French. His mother was a teacher, and his father was a railroad engineer. I could imagine being a railroad engineer back in the early 1900s. It just seems like that would be a lot harder job than it would be today.
0: Oh, I'm sure it would be. But it's so cool, though.
1: His father died when Maurice was very young. So as a child, he had a completely normal appearance. I've seen pictures of him when he was like seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... Nothing. he's your average child
0: okay was he like tall for his age no or no anything no like that
1: everything that happened to him happened later in life okay like like when he was around 20 all right he was perfectly normal looks wise up until about that age and we'll get into that a little more but He even had the nickname of the angel because of his innocent face. His mom mom gave him that nickname. And to be fair, it doesn't matter what you look like. Your mom's always going to think you look like an angel. Of
0: course. You could look like
1: a dog turd and your mom will still say, (laughs) you look like an angel.
0: Oh, that's That's really sweet. That's where
1: the the saying, a face only a mother could love came from, I'm
0: sure. (laughs) So
1: like I said, everything was good health-wise for the first 20 years of Maurice's life. Now, in 1917... Which was about through uh, about five years before all this happened, Tillot and his mother left Russia due to the revolution, and they moved to France. Okay. Mm-hmm. At the age of twenty, he started to notice some swelling in his feet, hands, and his head. After several doctor visits, he was diagnosed with I'm going to probably butcher this. Acromegaly. That's a condition. That's caused by a benign tumor on the pituitary gland.
0: Oh, wow. And it took that long for it to start doing that? Yeah, I guess
1: he didn't have it initially. And it's just something that happened. Just like you can get a brain tumor at any time.
0: Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm.
1: This causes the bones to overgrow and thicken.
0: Oh, wow. That had to be painful.
1: I think it was. I don't know that it started out as being painful, but I know it ended Mm -hmm. up being that way. So Maurice went to law school. He got his degree from the University of Toulouse, but he felt that he would never be successful as a lawyer because of his really deep voice. This thing changed his voice, Uh too, because of his very, very deep voice and his physical appearance that was now starting to draw attention. Oh, so he went to the French military. He actually served in the French Navy for five years as an engineer on a submarine. Very cool. But a new career path would soon be on its way for Maurice. In February 1937, he met Lithuanian Karl Pogello in Singapore. Now, Pogello was a professional wrestler. He and Maurice really hit it off, and then Pogello persuaded Maurice to give wrestling a try. They both moved to Paris for training.
0: So, was that was he done with the navy then, or was that it? Yeah, or? this
1: was already after he was already done with the navy. Oh, okay. So, Maurice wrestled for two years in France and England until World War II forced him to leave for the United States. That was in 1939, and he was 36 years old at this time. This is where he would get his big break. In 1940, promoter Paul Bowser saw Maurice wrestle in Boston, Massachusetts. He immediately signed him and promoted Maurice under the stage name of the French Angel. Which is the name that everyone would soon come to know him by. He became a very large draw at the box office and all over the wrestling world, for that matter. He was unstoppable, and that's the way he was actually promoted. Mm -hmm. And it was unbeaten for 19 consecutive months.
0: What the heck? Very, very cool. So why did they just, did they, I mean, did they call him the angel thing because of his mom? No, I th-
1: I don't know. I'm sure that probably had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe he had something to, to say about his name and they were look, co- collaborating on what to call him and maybe uh-huh. angel came up. Oh,
0: okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, you're good. Maurice Tillett, also known as the French Angel, was uh, the AWA World Heavyweight Champion from May 1940 until May of 1942. He retook the title again in 1944 after losing it for two years. Now, as a result of his success, several angel imitators started to appear on the wrestling scene. You had Paul Olaf, who was the Swedish angel, you had Tony Angelo, the Russian angel, Tor Johnson, the super Swedish angel, not to be cons- <laughs> confused <laughs> right. with the Swedish angel. He just angel. wasn't the plane. huh? And Jack Rush, the Canadian angel. I thought it was funny that somebody named Rush would mm-hmm. actually be the Canadian angel since <laughs> that's where the band Rush came yeah. from. Yeah. But that was just to name a few. There was also a Czech, a Polish, a Black, a Golden, and an Irish angel.
0: How did he feel about that, I wonder?
1: I don't think he cared. Oh,
0: you don't think he did? Yeah. By
1: 1945, Tillett's health began to fail. He was no longer advertised as unstoppable. And in his last wrestling match in Singapore on February 14, 1953, he agreed to lose to Bert Asirat. Because, you know, wrestling's fake. In
0: 1950,
1: Chicago sculptor Louis Link befriended Maurice, and he made a series of plastic busts that commemorated his wrestling career. These are where we were talking about yeah. with the bust, uh-huh. but they're going to come into play a little more in the story.
0: Well, that was very nice of him to do that.
1: One of these busts is in Chicago; it's in the Chicago's International Museum of Surgical Science. Another is in a collection of Bruce Pritchard, who was also a professional wrestler. Now, Maurice died on September fourth, nineteen fifty-four, in Chicago, from cardiovascular disease. After hearing of his trainer's death, and we're going to get deeper into that here in just a little bit. He's buried at the Lithuanian National Cemetery, 20 miles from Chicago.
0: Was his mother still alive at this point?
1: I don't know. I didn't see anything about his mother, mm-hmm. so I have no idea. In case you're wondering what his actual size was, he was five foot nine and about 270 pounds. I want to get into the paranormal stuff, but I want to tell you a few other facts about Maurice because it'll make more sense when I get into the paranormal stuff. But first, we need to take a quick sponsor break. All right. I said we were going to talk a little more about Maurice. So first of all, he was very intelligent. And you would probably guess that by the fact that he went to law school. But he also spoke 14 different languages.
0: Get out of here. Fourteen. Fourteen. That's amazing. I can't
1: even name up 14 different languages. I can I
0: either. Good for him.
1: I would be like saying Canadian and that's mm-hmm. that. yeah <laughs> yeah got me beat for sure. Indiana <laughs> when he was young, he wanted to be an actor. He was also an avid chess player. as a matter of fact, when he became famous, he actually did get some speaking roles in a couple of of uh smaller films and stuff like that uh-huh. on French TV. So he did actually get a chance to do a little bit of acting. Oh, that's awesome. But we're going to focus on the fact that he was an avid chess player. Because that is going to be the focal point or the paranormal part of the story. So to get to that part, we need to speak a little bit about Maurice's appearance and how it affected his psyche. Okay? Mm -hmm. Because right now we hadn't talked much about it. While Maurice was in the United States, he was studied by anthropologists, and they also were part of the reason why those busts were made. He was described as the closest living person to a Neanderthal.
0: Hmm.
1: In fact, he even posed in front of the Neanderthal exhibit in a Chicago Museum. There's pictures of that online you can actually see. Oh, you
0: can pull that up. Yeah,
1: so you see the Neanderthal drawing, and then you see him standing there. And it is semi close. It's not exactly the same. I wouldn't have thought of Neanderthal, but uh uh-huh. that's the way they did it. So you can imagine this made Maurice very self conscious and withdrawn. Of course. If he wasn't wrestling, he was pretty much keeping to himself behind closed doors.
0: That's sad.
1: He would make rare public appearances where he would pull a train or a streetcar by himself to show how strong he was. Oh, wow. And he there's a lot of film out there of him, you know, and some video even. There's some video of him wrestling from the early 40s. Mm-hmm. But there's pictures of him out there posing with pictures of people. By all accounts, he was the nicest guy in the world.
0: I mean, he sounds like he would be.
1: But when you're referred to as, and I quote, the ugliest man in the world,
0: Aww.
1: which is how he was described in one magazine, It makes for a lonely life.
0: I mean, I would guess so. That is so mean.
1: Now, because of his shyness, he didn't really try to make friends. Um, But because of his love of chess, he hooked up with a man known as Patrick Kelly. Patrick Kelly was a very wealthy businessman in Massachusetts. And the two would play chess on a regular basis at Patrick's home. He felt really comfortable there. Good. They developed a great and trusting relationship trusting to the point where sometimes as they were in the middle of playing chess maurice would just kind of look up during the match and confide in patrick how much he hated to be imprisoned in his body
0: oh i'm sure poor thing
1: and it wasn't just his looks along with the condition he had a lot of pain like i said i don't know if that was in the early stages Mm -hmm. or if it happened during the later stages We were able to actually find out a lot about Maurice from Patrick Kelly. At the time of his death, the 51-year-old Maurice had just been getting over pneumonia and he'd had some heart problems. Just a week before his death, a woman that he was totally in love with turned down his marriage proposal.
0: Oh, he didn't even get a chance to get married.
1: And the day of his death, actually about five hours before he died, he learned that his longtime trainer, Carl Pagello had passed away. Upon hearing the news, Maurice told Patrick Kelly that there really was nothing else to keep him here. And he died five hours later. Oh. So Patrick Kelly, we mentioned earlier, that was a very successful businessman. Well, he owned textile mills, trans, uh, transportation companies, shipping lines and a bunch of other businesses but to be honest with you he was devastated by Maurice's death
0: Oh, I'm sure he was I mean he already didn't feel like he had any friends or you know anybody that he could you know right be comfortable with
1: and you know so this was his buddy and I think he just became so close to him that he literally was devastated and he poured himself into his work and he became a different person over the next 20 years, he just became kind of withdrawn. And mm-hmm. like I said, he just focused nothing but work. And that was, you know, that's all he did. Well, several wrote 20. 25 years after Maurice's death in 1975, Patrick visited a computer expo. He was so impressed that some of the computers could actually play chess. <laughs> He had pretty much all but given up on chess. Oh,
0: really? Until this
1: point. He purchased one of these computers. He took it home and he set it up in his study. And this kind of rekindled his love for chess. Now, he didn't forget his buddy. Remember, we mentioned that there were some of these busts made of Maurice's head. And I told you where two of them were. Another was at Patrick Kelly's home. Oh, these busts were made four years after the death. But they were the mold was actually made before he died.
0: Right, right. But
1: they didn't actually make the bust until four years after, after he, he had passed. Died. Patrick, That's, I mean it's
0: I mean it's good that they still had had those.
1: Oh yeah. Well I'm sure they were they knew they were gonna eventually make them. I don't know what they mm-hmm. held on to making them, but so Patrick took the one he had and he positioned the bus across from him on the other side of the chessboard. Oh. So it's like he was still, he was looking still playing.
0: At yeah. That's awesome.
1: Patrick Kelly then programmed some great chess moves into the computer. Cause apparently for I know y'all are hearing computer, but it's not computer like you think of with a computer and a monitor. Mm-hmm. This was an actual chessboard. Okay. That you had the pieces on and the squares would light up. Oh, for the piece to be moved. To be, okay. So that's the way the computer would do it. Mm-hmm. You would make your move and the computer would light and show you what piece to move where. All that's right. how it made its move. And it did it by you programming some in. They, they had some moves already programmed in, mm-hmm. but you could program some yourself in. Okay. So that's how this thing works. I was a little confused at first until I looked up a bunch of videos on them. One night, he noticed that the computer was making some moves that had been made famous by a French grandmaster. These moves hadn't been programmed in the computer. But, more astonishing, they were the favorite moves of Maurice Tillett.
0: No way.
1: Patrick played for about three more hours, and he became really tired, and he decided he was ready for bed. He bent over to unplug the computer... And he saw that he had forgotten to plug it in to begin with. What? The computer had been working without electricity and had no type of battery backup. Patrick didn't know much about computers, but he did know that they couldn't run without electricity. So he called the computer company the next day. This was uh, obviously a really well-known computer company, Mm -hmm. and I didn't find out the name. So I'm assuming it was probably Texas Instruments, but I don't know. Okay. So that's just my guess. He said that he called a computer company and they sent out a technician. The technician kind of found the whole thing uh hard to believe because, you know, he's right. a technician. It don't run on it's gotta run off electricity. So I don't kinda of don't believe the situation is the way he took the approach.
0: But was it like that at all when the technician was there?
1: I don't not at the time. He confirmed that it did have ele- have to have electricity to work, but he couldn't Figure out why it was doing moves that hadn't been programmed in, yeah. even if it had, it had been electricity, in. right? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what he said. He said, "So, so it's got to have electricity, and it can't perform moves that aren't plugged in." That was his assessment. Well, the company who made the computer didn't want any kind of uh, bad publicity or anything, so they gave Patrick a brand new computer. The new one had pre-programmed into it twenty-two simple. And 60 complicated chess moves. At one point, Patrick decided to publish a new chess move in his local newspaper. I don't exactly know what that means. Mm -hmm. Publish a new chess move. I don't know why there would be publishing chess moves in the newspaper. But that's what it said. As soon as he had it worked out, though, the machine started to play back on its own. On the computer. Patrick got kind of aggravated, and he turned the computer off. But, to his amazement, it kept working. He then pulled out the plug, but the computer continued to display the last move on the monitor. Wow. He was astonished but intrigued at the same time, so he decided to make another move. He was reminded of a game that he... And Maurice Tillett had played on April 12th, 1952. Now, that seems very specific. Yeah, I was going to say, how, were... in <laughs> and, and say well, exactly, how in the world do you remember that? And you might say, for exactly, how in the world do you remember that? That's, you know, 1975, and you remember the exact date. But he remembered this game from 23 years ago because there was an amazing coincidence that happened with that game. Both he and Maurice had made the exact same move. And now the computer was doing the same thing all of these years later. So Patrick called the computer company again. A technician came out and he checked everything thoroughly. They even took away the bust of Maurice for further investigation. The computer worked fine after they removed the bust. Experts did x-rays of the bust. Nothing turned up. They wanted to make sure there wasn't any kind of Something in there that would well, have been like, interfering with yeah, the computer. Yeah, yeah,
0: like some electrical or something. But
1: there was absolutely nothing but plaster.
0: Well, I'm surprised he just didn't say, Maurice, is that you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Well, I think he figures it out, but he wouldn't 100% sure then. The bus was returned the following day, and this is when, again, the computer started to operate strangely. It could operate with, without electricity, but only when Maurice's head was nearby. <laughs>
0: That's awesome.
1: The computer tech actually witnessed this, but he had no answers as to well, why good,
0: this was be. Well, good, good. So that guy's like thinking, okay, I'm not crazy.
1: Some believe that Maurice's spirit could control Patrick's mind, and that caused like a telekinetic co- uh, effect on the computer. Yeah, right. Patrick said that he could tell if Maurice was around simply by seeing if the computer would work without electricity. He would set up the pieces and often mid-game, The computer would start playing with master moves above its level, indicating that Maurice was present. He could then pull out the plug and the game would continue. When Maurice's spirit wasn't around, Patrick said that he was very happy to think of his friend's spirit roaming free without being confined to his body.
0: Now, awesome.
1: Patrick enjoyed playing chess with Maurice for years to come.
0: Oh my gosh, what a wonderful ending to that story. So that was very, very cool. I
1: thought that was a different kind of a story. Heck yeah. But
0: that that's a really awesome story. Yay.
1: Yeah. The, Maurice Tillett really seemed like a good guy. And it's a shame.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a
1: shame that he had to suffer as much as he did. And he yeah. had to die so early.
0: Yeah. Oh, but at least in the afterlife, he could still play what he liked and be around his best buddy and
1: not have to worry about what he looked like.
0: That's exactly right. Good for him.
1: So anyways, that's our story for tonight.
0: That was a good one, doll.
1: So Tracy, I want to cover some updated stuff. We have new shows set up since we last talked.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm excited about these shows. I am telling you, I am struggling with New Orleans. If anybody out there lives in New Orleans and they know of a a bar or a restaurant with a private room or a VFW or something, because this is the hardest show I've ever had. I thought Dallas was hard. This has really been hard. But, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and get something. We still got a lot of time. But I want to try to get it set up as soon as possible so people have most of the year to plan for.
0: Right, it. right. But,
1: like, I checked the VFW. We get VFW posts or a, or uh, American Legions for anywhere from 150 to $550. I checked on one in New Orleans. It was $1,600 mm-hmm. plus extra stuff that if we wanted drinks. Right. And stuff like, I mean, it was just like. And, every, you know, little theaters and stuff. Everybody wants $2,000, 3000 yeah. for a little theater. It's a popular place. It's a very popular place, and that's what makes it so tough. But if somebody lives in that area, you might actually have a lead that we could follow. So. Yeah, that'd be great. So let's talk about what we do got going. Two new shows. May 20th. That's the weekend between Mother's Day
0: and, and Memorial, Memorial Day. Day.
1: Mm-hmm. We are doing a show, Us. Middle Asian creeped out, tragedy of cinema, are doing a show in a haunted jail, the Boone County Distillery, Boone County Jail Distillery, I should say. Mm-hmm. Haunted jail in Lebanon, Indiana, that's about a half hour from Indianapolis uh, closer to West Lafayette. So, but right in the middle of West Lafayette and and there. They're all Purdue fans. That's how I know. I asked. <laughs> but this place was Awesome.
0: Yeah, it is very cool. We will
1: actually be doing it inside the jail cell. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah.
1: And so let me tell you what you're going to get, because this is a little different. So it's $25 a ticket. There's only 40 tickets available, period. It's a small place. And we've already sold four of those tickets. So technically, there's 36 of those tickets available. You're going to get access to all of the podcasters. You're going to get to check out, there's two floors of the jail. You'll get to see, roam around and see all that. I posted a bunch of pictures on my Facebook page. I didn't end in the group. So if you're in the group, you can check that out. But there's two floors of that. It's really awesome. Then on top of that, We're going to include uh, free soft drinks and water that day. There's no food there, no drinks, but we're going to provide your drinks for you. No alcohol, sorry. There could possibly be alcohol by that time. Mm -hmm. They are a distillery, and they're working on a tasting room right now. They don't know if they'll have it done by May or not, but if they do, there will actually be some alcohol available as well. The other thing is I thought was cool is they have a solitary confinement area and then the big uh, where they would do the, the prop behind them where they would do mug shots that have you know the the size mm-hmm. of people the height you can get put on an orange jumpsuit or a striped jumpsuit and take pictures there And we've actually got a little sign you can hold how you always hold it up with the yeah. numbers and stuff on there we've got a sign that you can be able to hold up that has uh, all the shows on there so whatever show you want to have represented on there you can hold the sign up in your little orange jumpsuit that's all included now you have to take your own picture with your phone. They're not having like Polaroids or anything there. Yeah. But.
0: It's also cool that some of the things that the prisoners wrote on the wall while they were in there, they're still there. They didn't take any of that down. So that's yes. really cool.
1: Yeah. And I, I definitely want to thank uh Jackie and her mom. Jackie showed us around the whole place. She's the one that set all this up. She kind of runs the uh the distillery there. And this place is awesome. They've got they they sell their liquor. Go to go to uh Boone County Jail Distillery, and look at all the liquor that they make there that they sell. They sell in seven different states, but it's soon going to be available in 50 different states. Heck yeah,
0: man. It smelled amazing in there. Yeah,
1: so we got a little tour of the distillery, and that might be something you guys can have that Mm -hmm. night, too. I'm not 100% sure. But Jackie helped set this up, and uh, Sean, the owner, he was absolutely amazing. He agreed to meet with us for a little bit. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic environment. But like Tracy was saying there if the artwork that prisoners had done or anything they wrote on the wall if it wasn't vulgar or obscene they left it up there mm-hmm. and they framed it yeah so it's like but the, it's like it just, it's just a small jail it's not like yeah, going to very small. ohio state reformatory mm-hmm. or something but you know they've got a couple of cells for the the really hard off criminals and then you know the ones that were on life life sentences or something like yeah. that and then they've got you know, some other places that were, you know, like they had one little cell for solitary confinement. And the where you sit at, it was made just short enough so you couldn't lay down.
0: hmm
1: Well, you could lay down. I that.
0: probably could. You could have. Yeah.
1: But for the average person, they wouldn't have been able to lay down right. it was done that way on purpose. But yeah, it was really cool. And we're excited about that one. Now, our other show that we set up Cryptids of the Corn podcasts. We're going to be doing a show in the very haunted and mentioned on here a thousand times before Post Town Elementary in Middletown, uh Ohio. I guess yeah. I, I guess it's important to mention the state. <laughs> That's a haunted school and it's been closed down since uh 19 uh 2020 or uh, 2000, I'm sorry.
0: Mm-hmm. Year
1: 2000. But Daryl owns that place. He's done a heck of a job. Does a lot of charity work up there, and um, this place is absolutely phenomenal. You can look up Post Town, and I can't tell you how many of the haunted shows have been there.
0: Yeah, a most lot of, them. of
1: them have been there, and so we're going to be able to do that inside that place. Same thing. You'll have the kind of the run of the bill build. Check the school out. That's actually actually in April, April twenty second, I believe, that Saturday. So we have the Ohio show in Louisville, and then that show in Ohio back to back weekends. Yeah. It's the first time we've ever done back to back weekend shows.
0: It'll be fun for sure.
1: Yeah. So both those tickets are available at uh, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. That one's limited only also to 60 people. Mhm. So, but you guys are going to love it there.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can run down the halls and scream our heads off and we can't get in trouble.
1: Yeah. And we and we and, you know, and we've sold tickets to that one already too. I put as soon as I put them up for sale, we sold like 3 tickets I to
0: know, that. No, that's awesome. You guys are just freaking amazing. We just love y'all so much.
1: So anyway, and then we got all of our other shows that are already up. Uh, I'm working on cruise dates. I'm hoping to have something soon. I was told December that we would have dates for July of 2024. Uh, I haven't seen those dates come up yet, so I'm working on that. But as soon as I have dates for a new cruise, I promise that I'll get announced and it'll get updated on the website. But go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com to get tickets for any of our live events. That's all been updated as we speak. Tracy, what do you got over there?
0: Okay, for iTunes, we have Mojo Lobster, uh, Am Sue Poem, and I know I screwed that up. Carrie Crawl Daily. Thank you guys for your awesome reviews. You guys make my day. You just don't even understand. So I appreciate y'all taking your time out to do that. For our Patreons, we have Jessica King, Sandy Ashmore, and Mindy Hall. Thank you guys so much for your patronage. We love you guys so much. And. I just want to say I want y'all just to have the best holiday season this year and just remember what it's all about. Just not always about the gifts, but just being with your family and friends so you can love one another. That's the best gift of all.
1: And speaking of the holiday season, today is the first day of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. So any of our listeners that celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah.
0: Yeah, happy Hanukkah, guys. We, all, we love y'all so, so much.
1: All right, guys, we are out. Thank you so much.
0: Bye, guys. Have a blessed week.